So I'm with Marius Reitz and Peter Haynes, both of Luno, senior management and executive level at Luno, here in their temporary offices in Joburg, Santon, as they brief the media about their current findings of cryptocurrency across the globe, actually. Some interesting results. Marius and Peter, welcome. Thanks, James. Thanks. Now, um, Peter, just introduce yourself. What's your position at Luno? Um, my name is Peter Reins. Um, I'm heading up the, our Africa expansion project at the moment. What were you doing before heading up the Africa expansion project? Um, I'm originally one of the co-founders, so I've been um, actually involved in various parts of the business. I was heavily involved in our initial country launches um, and specifically working a lot on finance and operational sides. Uh, Marius, your current situation, I mean, we, we have featured you on SA Crypto a few times, but uh, just for people who haven't been introduced to who you are, what's your position at Luna? Um, I'm heading up our African operations, so I look after our, our, our companies in, in South Africa and Nigeria. Um, I'm also building the Johannesburg office, so we launched in Joburg recently, um, and, and, and I'm building this office, uh, an engineering team, and also a team to, to help us launch across Africa. So you guys both spoke about results that actually sort of confirmed what you already believed. But have you seen, with Luno now five years old, is it, Peter? Maybe six years old? You started as Bitex. Um, did you expect cryptocurrency to be where it is today in 2018 when you first started as Bitex? Um, I think when we first started with Bitex, it was, we, we, I don't think we had any specific view on exactly how big the market would be or how fast the adoption would. Um, I, th- I think we, we founded and started Bitex based on some fundamental principles, you know, the, the underlying technology, the fact that we believe that it could have an impact going forward. Um, and we've, we've, worked, we've, we've worked sort of from those foundational principles. And so I, I, I can honestly say I didn't have any specific ideas of where we'd be, how big it would be. Um, and Marius, you're now up in Joburg, Santon. When did the idea to branch out from Cape Town into Santon first come about? Uh, and is the, is the vision still the same from when that idea was first sparked? Tell us, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so it has actually been at the back of our minds for, for quite some time now. So the original idea for, for this was to build out a separate team to focus on our South African operations. So some context, our team in Cape Town uh, provides services to our global c- customer base. So our team in Cape Town is our mothership, our, our core office. So we wanted to, to split the two offices, uh, have a separate team focusing on, on, the, on the SA country expansion uh, and, and, and improving the, the adoption in South Africa and building the ecosystem. Um, and I think the team in Cape Town being only focused on our global operations. So, so we also recognize that, that there's a big community and a thriving community in Johannesburg. Um, we will be able to engage more with the community, uh, attend more workshops, add more value to this, to this ecosystem from, from a Joburg base. We recognize that there's lots of uh, talent in Joburg. People won't necessarily move to Cape Town, but, 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 but um, it's an opportunity for us to access a new talent pool. Um, we have extremely talented uh, people in Joburg, developers. Um, and another consideration was being close to, to regulators, right? So, so, so we have the Reserve Bank, we have, we have, we have Source, we have the FIC, all of them being based in Johannesburg. And since the early days, um, we've, been, we've been engaging with regulators. Uh, so that's a, that's a core focus of ours. Um, we, um, we, have, we follow a self-regulating approach. So it would make sense for us to be, to be closer to them uh, in terms of engagement and ongoing discussions. When did the idea first come about? 
Um, to be honest, I think uh, we first started discussing this, this idea maybe towards the end of last year, follow-up discussions beginning of this year, and then we took the decision to, to move me from, I was back, back then, I was the payments manager, so, so um, I, I ensured that, that, that our bank accounts properly integrated, proper controls around banks and how we consult customer funds, um, and then the, 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 the idea was that, that, that I moved from payments to, to the country's role. Um, since I've been with the business for, for almost three years now and, and I, I know most of the regulators and contacts in South Africa. So, yeah, so it was, the idea was born last year and we just followed through with it this year. Peter, what were you doing before you launched a cryptocurrency exchange? I mean, back when you guys started, this must have been an extremely risky venture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think I basically joined just after the, um, the Silk Road incident got shut down so um with so, ross ulbricht yeah yeah and and all of you know people going to jail and stuff so it was quite uh, it was sort of quite out there i was actually I, w- I was actually working on a lot of different tech companies um by trade i'm a, I'm a qualified chartered accountant i jumped straight into figure, figuring out um startup companies so i worked across a couple of tech companies uh, the years prior to that um, and even in the biomedical field so um so when this opportunity came along, it, it, just, all, it just all makes sense. And, and maybe just also to follow on on your previous question, um, I, I think overall I'm, I'm really happy with the way that we've progressed over the, over, the sort of, over the past five years and where we are now. And I think we have a solid base. Um, we've, put, we've put down a lot of um, sort of good, solid infrastructure, which is a base for us to basically take, take Luno into the next sort of stage and, and to really become one of the sort of... Household names, if you to say, if you want to upgrade to a new financial system, then Luno is the place to go. And I mean, today you're, you've outlined a couple of results, um, which one of the most interesting ones being South Africa performing third highest out of a dozen countries. South Africa third highest on adoption and awareness in cryptocurrency. Um, did this surprise you, considering? The, the countries that were, that were identified, I mean, you interviewed the likes of Germany, the United Kingdom, Indonesia, um, and South Africa performing third highest. Is that a surprise to you, Marius? To be honest, um, it was, it was semi, semi of, a, of a surprise to me. Um, it was more interesting was the fact that, that, that all the emerging markets where we surveyed um, scored higher across adoption and familiarity. So the likes of Indonesia, Malaysia and South Africa scored on average higher than, than, than the counterparts in Europe, right? So that was, that was, that was surprising. Um, I think you can draw a line uh, to emerging markets in general rather than South Africa specific. Um, we do have a, 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 a Bitcoin crypto community, um, we're seeing a change in mindset uh, with South Africans. I think that's very important. So, so um, initially I was surprised, yes, but, but um, looking back, um, being in an emerging market space with uh, potentially a more fragile economy than, than, than global, people seeking for alternatives, um, and recognizing that the South African community actually isn't that small or, or, or um, uninformed than we perceive it to be right so so now you you outlaid you you outlaid three different phases of of luno's plan um bridge the old and the new which is an interesting one i i must say i personally respect luno's approach bridging the old financial system the old regulatory system with the new one um you know obviously there's a lot of cypher punks that are like no we you know we got to stick it to the banks we got to be independent from them but that's their choice. You know, you guys, I think, are taking the right approach, especially for mass adoption. People want trust. 
uh, phase two is grow the ecosystem. I can see you guys are doing that now. The more meetups you guys are getting involved with, etc. Um, but phase three, I want to talk about leverage the new paradigm. Just talk us through what you mean by that. I mean, that's about five, six years away. You want to leverage the new paradigm. Uh, what does that entail? That's a very good question. Um, that is, like you said, that's five to ten years, uh, even longer. That's just, a, that's just a, a, an estimation of the period. But that's a point where we see, where we see people actually moving over to a new financial system. So, so that, that's, where, that's a stage where we don't have a, a, a particular hybrid economy. Um, we've, we see people actually moving over to, to a new system. So that's why I think it, it, might, it might take longer than, than ten years even. But, but that's, a, that's a state where, where people out of free will um, use cryptocurrency. Um, that's, a, that's a stage where new use cases will, will, will evolve. Um, you will see financial institutions engaging, um, offering products and services to, to, their, to their clients. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a fu- it's a future stage where we see um, the evolution of money moving from the money as we know today to, to money, um, to a decentralized open cryptocurrency um, to a future state, basically. So, so it's, it's not, it's not um, I, I can't with certainty say that, that this will be the use case, that that will be the use case, but we know that that, that will be a state where, where there's, there's adoption um, and, and, and people use it out of free will. Um, and I mean, also if you sort of look into the future, it, it's very difficult to sort of predict what the future will be. But um, the fact is that if you if, if you if you have a system that, that that sort of allows permissionless innovation and access, it, it it'll enable us to build uh, new business models and new products that we might not have been that might not be possible today because of the way that the system is structured and set up. Um, in the future. You know, at this point, we all need an account. But in the future, your fridge might need an account. Your Tesla might need an account so that it can pay for electricity. Um, these these sort of integrated networks and systems that we're building, uh, they, they 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 won't they won't be able to interact with the existing financial system because it's not really built for this kind of sort of technology. So the way that we transfer value, the way we pay for things, might be fundamentally completely different. And um, if if we as Luno, if we're one of the sort of global central players, um, we can we can see the adoption. We can we can help to drive um, the development of these new products, these new business models. Um, and and I think a lot of these a lot of these new systems will be built by trusted entities that that, that, that people can look to and that can can do it safely. And it's got a very strong reputation for for delivering delivering these products and new products and services. So I think it's going to be a completely different world. I think if you look at the internet today, we have systems, business models, um, products and services that nobody imagined would have been possible, and we couldn't have predicted it. Now let's talk about Africa and your expansion into Africa. Um, I believe Nigeria is sort of your, your next um, big market behind South Africa. Am I right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. We've been operating there also for about two to three years now. Um, what's next after that? You, you touched on U- Uganda or Uganda um, in, in the briefing today. Uh, is Uganda the next big target or are there a couple uh, lined up? So, we, so, like I mentioned, we've done a lot of research. Uh, we've identified um, a couple of countries. We've prioritized them and we're in the process of now, of now entering into those markets and, and getting ready to set up. I can't give details on exactly which ones are the top ones because it's, you know, the, it's still uh, sort of early days. We're moving very aggressively into this. We have a dedicated team that's focusing just on, on doing this and, and working, working hard to, to get it done. So um, we, we should probably have a more clear, clear idea of which is going to be sort of our primary ones and the secondary ones in about six, you know, in about six months from now. 
All right, understood. You you got to be very cagey about how you release this to the public. So just wrapping up, gentlemen, um, your your thoughts on South African Reserve Bank's approach to cryptocurrency. Um, you know, we we spoke about a, a couple of fairly questionable projects being looked into by the South African Reserve Bank, or at least aware of by the South African Reserve Bank. What kind of stance do you feel Saab will take, are taking on cryptocurrency, and is the future bright? So I think, first of all, I think we have to commend uh, the Reserve Bank for the proactive approach that they've taken. Um, they've consulted wide uh, with, with uh, other central banks, with the Singapore Central Bank. Um, and I think the, the approach is that, that they don't intend to stifle innovation. They don't intend to front-run innovation with regulations. So, so a very open approach, and I think they acknowledge that, that crypto has a role to play and, and, and that we're reaching a point where we're seeing adoption increasing, right? So um, I, think, I think their focus, and this is only, uh, this is only my, my thoughts, obviously. Um, I know that, that, that they're planning to release the initial results towards the end of this year, early next year, perhaps. So, so we'll, we'll soon have some more clarity around that. Clarity will be good. Uh, it will give consumers more confidence uh, ultimately. Um, but I think the approach will be um, to go after the low-hanging fruits, as they say, so, so perhaps focusing on consumer protection. So I think uh, an easy one there would be to make KYC and or to enforce KYC and AML rules on all exchanges, right? So, so, so we at Luna, of course, self-regulate, so, so we've, been, we've been following that approach since since launch back in 2013, 2014. But of course, you get you get uh, actors in the industry. They don't have regard for customer security. So, so I think I think that's a first step. They will they will um, they will um, they will announce mandatory registrations uh, for for exchanges to register with the FIC. Um, and then they would be um, or they would have to report suspicious transactions and suspicious activity happening on, on their platforms. So I, I think. How I think does, so let me pause you there. Sorry, Morris. How how would Luno identify a, a suspicious uh, activity on an account, and what do you define as suspicious? Okay, so so, so um, I think I think uh, obvious ones, and this this applies to the entire financial services industry. For example, uh, if you receive a cash deposit exceeding twenty five thousand rand, then you have to report that that transaction to, to ca- ca- physical cash or just a general physical transfer? Ca- physical cash. Okay. So physical right, cash. So right. whenever you receive a cash deposit, you have to report that. So so okay. so, so the FIC um, they have specific rules. Um, we at Luno we we have, we have an internal fraud fraud team and, and compliance teams, and they set specific rules. So. So, um, Peter, maybe you can elaborate also on, a bit on the monitoring. But I, I can't yeah. go too much in, in the details yeah. in terms of the rules and what we regard as suspicious or not, because that, that depends on a lot of things like the risk profiling and and um, and you know, I mean, it's also sort of sensitive information. But I think the general, the broad principle is that you should you should know your customers, what the source of that money is. If it's coming from from nefarious activity. Um, then you should ideally not transact with those customers. So, so it, it, it's it's you, typically if you've identified sources of funds that are from nefarious, nefarious like activity, then that is that is what is generally in the industry considered to be suspicious, um, and that would be, yeah, I mean, broadly things like money, um, drug money, or um, extortion, tax avoidance. Um, uh, human trafficking anything that's sort of illegal that's generating money um, that is what you you don't want to you don't want to support a platform that, that basically um, that abuses 
that, that, that allows those types of actors to abuse it. Yeah. Final thoughts from you, Peter. We've heard from Marius. Final thoughts from you in terms of uh, the outlook for cryptocurrency in South Africa and, and Africa as a whole? Um, look, I mean, I, I think I'm still very positive about it. Um, even with a big up last year and down this year, the, the fundamental principles have not changed for me in the past five years, and I don't think they're going to change. Um, and that's sort of the foundation on which we're building. And I think that that's a good, solid foundation that we can that, that we can work from to uh, to basically take this to the next level. Um, and I think, uh, you know, as we're seeing more and more regulators internationally from leading economies, um, you know, getting more clarity on on regulation and sort of adoption, uh, I, I think we're going to move. We're going to we're, we're definitely starting to move the world to to the sort of new new standard. And it's going to take time. It's going to be a lot of hard work, but I'm definitely positive that that we can we can make it happen. Awesome, Marius. Before you go, if you could give listeners one piece of advice regarding cryptocurrency, crypto assets, what would it be? Um, James, that would be to educate yourself. Um, that would be to, to familiarize yourself with cryptocurrency, um, with the risks associated to that. We saw in the, in the public survey that 49% of customers indicated that, that, that security, um, the, the risk of making errors when, when transacting using cryptocurrency, that ranked very high um, in terms of concerns that customers had. So, so that's a very important aspect, um, and that's something that we at Luno, um, we focus very much on to, to, um, to educate, to teach the basic principles, to educate people around risks, what to look out for um, when, uh, when receiving requests from, 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 from external parties. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so my advice would be to literally just go and do some research. With, with little research, you would be able to find a safe platform for you to, to make your first crypto transaction um, and, and open a new world for you. Brilliant. Gentlemen, Marius Reitz, Head of uh, South African Operations. Uh, Peter Haynes, Head of African Expansion from Luna. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Thanks, James. Thanks, James.